Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hey, Sample Chapter listeners, welcome back. It's uh, week two of my special with Ryan Morgan Miller. And uh, this week is the sample chapter of his debut novel, The Vain Curse, a hard-boiled comedy novel. And I got to tell you, everybody, I got a sample of it. I got he, he sent me a copy of it, and I have been devouring it. It is so much fun. So what you're about to hear is going to be a real treat for you. Uh, the book is available right now for pre-order. So make sure you click that link in the show notes for everything Ryan and, uh, and his book. And then it uh, comes out in July. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Ryan Morgan Miller with The Vain Curse. Thank you, Jason. I think I'm going to start with chapter one. Just start simple. Carly Simon is a cruel hearted shrew. As I drink myself into the sweet, sweet embrace of oblivion, this is the only thing I know for certain. The name's Tracer. Tracer Spence. Private Eye. P.I. for short, I guess, though I know I starts with an E. Just one of the many Sherlockian observations that average people hire me for, because detectiving is my business though my landlord calls it my hobby since it doesn't pay the rent. I tell him he should do some stand-up with funny lines like that. He always responds the same way. Back pay is due by the end of the week, you idiot. Pay me or I'm evicting you. We're a regular Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis with our repartee. I've got my own office. Names embossed on the opaque window and door. I've even got a wooden desk with drawers. That's how you can tell I'm a real detective. Drawers in my desk. My prospective clients walk in and think, huh, I bet he's got all kinds of case files stashed in those things. So professional. I'm sure he sells all the cases and gets all the ladies. They'd be surprised that I mainly keep crackers in there. I get munchy during the day, but I'll never let them know that. I'd rather they think I'm a regular Lothario and successful detective. And even if I did tell them that I don't keep files in those drawers, I'd imply that's because all the facts are up here, up in old Spence's noggin. Yep, I'm a real private investigator. Huh. That's where the eye comes from. That's one mystery solved already. But the Carly Simon story starts the same way all my stories start, with a man walking through my office door. Did I mention the doors embossed with my name? Marvin Hartley didn't seem like he'd be bringing in trouble from moment one. He was kind of on the shy, nerdy side. Buttoned-up collared shirt, khakis, glasses. The kind of man who probably never envisioned himself hiring a detective. I can't believe private investigators even exist anymore, he said, swiveling his head around the room like his head was on some kind of swivel mechanism. I stayed silent. Most people I meet in this line of work make me turn to one of my best friends for help. I wondered which one Marvin would make me turn to. You see, I've got three best friends, and they're all slugs. One I keep locked and loaded in my revolver to give out to my enemies. One keeps me loaded, which I keep in my hip flask. And one I keep locked in its terrarium on my desk. I named him Moby the Mollusk, and he keeps me company in this lonely business. What's with the snail? Marvin asked. He's a slug. But he's got a shell. He's antisocial. Marvin shook his head. Are you Tracer Spence? Who wants to know? I like asking this because it's a good example of how I uncover facts. I figure any would-be clients might like to see how I work. I'm Marvin Hartley, and I'm hoping I can use your services. Hoping's free, pal, but the actual employing ain't. I picked up a clipboard off my desk. Now, before I accept any case, I've got a form to fill out. Just some standard questions for me to ask you. Keeps me organized. According to a book I skimmed the back cover of, organization is one of the seven effective habits of a successful man. 
I was one seventh of the way there. Okay, Marvin, I said, first question, name. Are you serious? Not a good start lying to your PI. I thought you said your name was Marvin, but I get it. You want to use an alternate moniker? It's a little outside the box, but I'll allow it this time. No, no, just fine. Put down Marvin Hartley. My name is definitely, definitely Marvin Hartley. Moving on then, I said. Do you have an attorney? Yes. Hmm. How about a girlfriend? If yes, where did you meet her? I've tried online dating apps, but you'd be surprised how ban happy they are these days. Is, is that important? Marvin asked, straightening his tie. Look, I just want to say that I think I'm cursed. I need help. Cursed? Okay, we'll skip down a little bit. What kind of curse? Which doctor, gypsy, or obscenity? What? None, I guess. None? The questionnaire doesn't allow for that. I'll check the box for which doctor so the form looks better. Check what down? You're not even using a pen. He had caught me, that Marvin. To be fair, I had lost my pen a few days ago, trying to fish my retainer out from my office's heating vent. How'd it get back there? That was a mystery for another day. There's one thing I knew, though, and that's that my childhood orthodontist wouldn't have been happy with me if he were still alive. All right, all right, we'll skip the formalities. Why don't you just tell me your story? I motioned for him to begin. This is a strange request, but I've heard You're So Vain, you know, the song from Carly Simon, every day for the past two months and need you to find out who the song is about. I leapt out of my chair and grabbed Marvin by the tie. I pulled him in close to me, all intimidating-like. This wasn't as easy as it sounds, as he was wearing a clip-on bow tie. Nonetheless, I think I got my menace across. Who sent you? Is this a joke? Are you mocking me? I lowered my voice to a gravelly rumble, my face an inch away from his. I could feel his hot breath on my cheeks. The sensation of another man's breath on my face wasn't as uncomfortable as I had thought it would be, to be honest. What? I couldn't understand you. I repeat it myself, this time slower and with much less gravel in my voice. I wish he understood me the first time. No one sent me. You're crazy. I knew he was lying because his lips were moving. Oh, that was a good saying. I decided to tell him that. I know you're lying because your lips are moving. Marvin didn't appreciate my turn of phrase. Maybe he wasn't a fan of the English language like I was. Or maybe it was because my breath smelled faintly of whiskey. Really, no one sent me. I just had the urge to know about the song and didn't know where else to turn. I can't live like this anymore. My calloused hands let go of his tie and brushed his shirt off. I motioned for him to have a seat. Sorry, I said. You could say I'm a little on edge. The same thing has happened to me, only I've heard the same song going on for almost a full year now. I slumped in my patched leather chair behind my desk again, which gave a little thip sound as my sturdy frame hit the cushion. That was the chair, I said. I still giggled because it was a funny noise, but I kept my eyes on Marvin the whole time. I took a pull from my flask, needing to steady my nerves. It started a little over a year ago for me, I continued. I woke up every morning to my alarm clock set to the radio. You know, one of them old digital alarms? And it just so happened that damn song would wake me up every day, Groundhog Day style. I felt like Bill Murray, except it wasn't funny. So I changed the station after a few weeks. And I thought that helped until later that same day, I heard it walking into the local coffee shop. Who would have thought it to start up as soon as I entered those blasted doors? It just took off from there. I go out to dinner, blam, it's playing in the diner. I walk down the street, some numbskulls blasting me out of their car as they're stuck in traffic next to me. I even tried staying home, watching TV on mute with captions on. But no, my neighbors decided to play Simon's greatest hits through our incredibly thin walls. Look, maybe the song's just having a resurgence or something, Marvin said, taking the seat across from my desk. 
like Africa by Toto, how that seemed to pop up out of nowhere a few years ago. Either way, I'm also hearing you're so vain at least once a day now, and I need to know. I need to know who it's about. It's driving me crazy, Mr. Spence. I've had the same thoughts, Marv. Mind if I call you Marv? And no, it's not having a resurgence. I've scoured the charts for any sign of one, but nothing. We're in the same godforsaken boat, but I never thought to hire a PI to investigate it for me. That would be crazy. I am a PI. What kind of world would we live in if one PI hired another PI? That would be like cats and dogs becoming friends, or peanut butter and mayonnaise on a sandwich, or two other things that don't go together going together. Absolute chaos. Marvin looked at me like I was bonkers. I get that look a lot. I could feel Marvin pulling away from me, so I decided to reel him back in like a fish. Except Marvin didn't have a hook stuck in his mouth, nor gills. Though, to be honest, I didn't look that closely at his neck. Either way, I decided to play what we in the PI biz call the old fruity tootie. Reaching into my pocket, I pretended my phone was ringing. I may or may not have made the vibration noise with my lips. Excuse me, Marv, I've got to take this real quick. Probably just one of the many esteemed clients I have. Sure, go ahead, Mr. Spence. I put the cell phone up to my ear, no one on the other end, of course, but I didn't audit two semesters of drama appreciation at the local community college for nothing. Hello, Mr. President of the United States. I shot a glance at Marvin, trying to convey that, yes, this was really happening, and yes, I'm taking that tone of annoyance with the most powerful man in the world. Yes, sir, just calm down. Of course I'm still looking into your case of the missing diplomat. But I do have another client in the room right now, so I really must go, Your Excellency. Oh, you'll let me use the Oval Office for a weekend? How kind of. That's the moment where my phone began ringing, cutting me off from my fake conversation. The Inspector Gadget theme song began blaring from my phone speakers. My niece put this as my ringtone, I said to Marvin, a white lie between private eye and prospective client. Haven't figured out how to switch it back yet. Marvin rolled his eyes like two spotlights in the dark, signaling opening night of the next best picture runner up. Hello, this is Spence. I know who this is, you idiot. Don't you have this number saved in your phone yet? You can see who's calling if you just look at the screen before picking up, the voice on the other line said. Ah, Detective Hardholm, what's up? Hardholm was a cop down at the precinct a few blocks away. You could say he was the closest thing I had to a friend in this town. Don't talk to me like we're pals, Spence. For the last time, we're not. And no, I don't want to get some ice cream with you. Not even if you're paying. What? What about all those poker nights you invite me to with the rest of your cop buddies? You know I only invite you because you can never remember what hand beats what hand. I've told you that on multiple occasions, Hardholm said. He was right. How can anyone remember if a straight beats two of a kind or a flush beats an old maid? Listen, he said, I just sent this broad over to your office. It's a case. Got it? I'm doing you a favor. I, the big time policeman, am sending you, the teensy weensy private detective, an actual case. I'm doing you a favor. Got it? Why? I asked. Honestly, me and the guys down here at the precinct have a couple bets on if you can actually solve a case or not. And so I can win my money, you need to actually have a case. Thanks. Goodbye, detective, I said, even though he had already hung up on me. I pointed to my phone and shoved it in my pocket. My contact down at the cop shop, I said to Marvin. Do all cops treat you like that, he asked. How how much of that did you hear? Well, Marvin said, you had it on speakerphone the whole time. Right, gotcha. Look, can you do this or not, Marvin asked. Why come to me, though? I've said, I've got nowhere else to turn to. The cops would think I'm insane. I can't just ask Carly Simon. The internet's no help. Don't you think I've tried Googling the answer before? 
I've got this inkling that I'll go crazy if I don't find the answer. I'm obsessing about it. I've never been someone like that, someone who's that neurotic about something so trivial. So I came to you. You're literally the only private detective listed in the phone book, which I didn't even know they made anymore. I had to ask my grandma to borrow hers. Why don't you advertise online? I'll ask the questions here, Bob, I said, though I had to admit that advertising online seemed like a good idea. I made a mental note to look into this internet craze later. You don't think this is too contrived a coincidence, though. Same song, same thing, day in, day out. I think it's absolutely a coincidence, yes. Marvin was pretty convincing with his answer. I dropped that line of questioning. I got up out of my chair and looked out the window behind my desk, pretending I was deep in thought. A dark storm cloud blanketed half of New York City, draping it in overcast gloom. The other half was still bright and sunny. Some people would call the weather phenomenon portentous, a bad omen. But I wasn't some superstitious meteorologist. The only thing I knew these clouds warned of was rain. Look, I believe I can take your case, but it's going to cost you. How much? You got a pen, I asked him. Marvin handed one over to me from his breast pocket. It was fancy, a sleek black fountain pen with three platinum-coated rings and the letters WB etched into the side, or AM, depending on which way I held it. I scribbled something onto the back of an unpaid bill I had lying around and pushed it over toward him. He picked it up and read aloud. This just says how much you got. I nodded. Good. Marvin could read the little trickster. I still didn't trust him. I'm not paid to trust people. I'm paid to find answers. And in this case, I wasn't even paid yet. Look, Marvin said, maybe this was a mistake. I better go. I don't think you're the right man for this. Marvin got up, his shoes scuffling the hardwood floor. In my business, you got to let people walk away sometimes if you want to hook them. Know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Reminds me of that Kenny Rogers song, Islands in the Stream, I think. The one with Dolly Parton. What a babe she was. I'd let her sail away on my other world. One way or the other, though, Marvin Hartley would never leave this room without hiring me for a job. Next thing I knew, I was kneeling in front of him, tears running down my face, sobbing. Don't go. I n -n need this. I can't afford my rent. But please had him right where I wanted him. Marvin put his hand on my shoulder. There, there. Pull yourself together, man. I pulled him in close and audibly blew my nose on his shirt. Finally, I stood up, lumbering over him by half an inch and wiped my eyes. Thank you, I said, again in a gravelly low voice to keep my dignity. I didn't care if he didn't hear me. I wasn't going to change my tone again. Negotiations continued from there. He told me at first that money was no limit and he could spare no expense. I responded with telling him my normal hourly fee. He agreed to it and then I lowered it. In retrospect, I should have listened to his side of the debate instead of following my normal script on autopilot. But Marv here was excellent at hardball. I swore I would never let him get the upper hand again. I said I'd start right away on his case, and we shook hands. He pulled away almost immediately and wiped his hand off on his shirt. My hand was a little sticky, admittedly. Another drawer on my desk is just full of sea salt taffy. But it's not like his hand was the Queen of England's either, and I'd bet she'd have the good grace to not be so gosh dang rude about it either. I heard them British royalties have to take classes on that sort of thing, social cues and all. Maybe that's how she got to be queen, had the highest scores. I'd have to remind myself to research how to become a queen. Thank you, Mr. Spence, Marvin said. I know it's such a strange case, but I'm desperate. Ain't we all? After that, I showed him the door. I'm quite proud of that door, but he wasn't impressed. Did I mention I got its window embossed with my name? It's not every day you see that. Still, though, he left without commenting on it. I'd have to sign Marvin up for those British manners classes next time he came around. 
that was Ryan Morgan Miller reading a sample chapter from his debut novel, The Vain Curse. <laughs> the book is really something and a lot of fun. Hey, make sure you click that link in the show notes for everything Ryan, our affiliate links with Writer's Block Coffee and podcast friends over at Pop Goes the Culture Network. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. We'll be back next time with an all new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Take care, everyone. See you next time.